my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I'm sending you love and joy and happiness and compassion wherever you are. I pray that you are surrounded by people who celebrate you and that you are celebrating yourself on this fine day. So today's episode is going to be a throwback episode. I am still deep in the weeds of writing and also supporting women in our no contact, ready to let go support group. Um, I just looked this morning and I have 18 notifications, so I need to go and see what the girls are talking about. We are a week in and I'm just so proud of everyone coming with honesty and transparency and openness and saying what works for them and saying what doesn't and allowing space for me to share another path and for them deciding what works for them. And so I love all of the women's participation so far. And I just pray that the rest of these three weeks together, because we are one week into our four week and some change experience um, going into no contact. So it's been really great. But all that to say, I do not have a new episode, but when I was thinking about what I wanted to share, I was like, this is perfect um, because of the things that I've been talking with many of you about um, in the DMs, in the community, and I think it's going to be right on time. So two years ago, my God, I can't believe it was two years ago. Two years ago, I had a four-part series, a four-episode series where I talked about three mistakes I made while dating as a love addict, three mistakes I made um, dating as a love avoidant, three mistakes I made being married as a love addict, and three mistakes I made in marriage as a love avoidant. And I separated because I always get asked, can you can you relate to more than one? Can you also be love addicted in some relationships, but love avoidant in others? And absolutely, yes. And also, what does this look like when you're in a committed relationship? And so um, I did this four-part series. And so today's episode is going to be three mistakes I made dating as a love addict. I remember when I posted this series, people loved it. They could really hear a lot of themselves in it. They really could, um, they got challenged in the right ways and they got encouraged in the right ways. So I'm hoping that posting that episode today will get that started. And so because that series has already been posted, if you like today's episode, you can go ahead and listen to episodes 100, 101, and 102 and just put it all together. But for now, we're going to throw that back. And I would love to hear what y'all got from it. As always, I love seeing your comments in on Instagram and on Facebook underneath where you tell me how it landed for you, where you tell me what you took from it, um, the DMs as well. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump on in. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. 
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. With the crazy heat waves we are experiencing this summer, especially here in Texas, it can be hard to stay fresh while you're out and about. And that's why I've incorporated the Honey Pot's foaming wash and wipes into my daily routine. The Cucumber Aloe Honey Pot wipes provide a quick refresh when I leave a day of errands and head to a girls' night with friends. If you're heading to an outdoor concert or festival, the Honey Pot wipes are a must to keep you fresh between the fun. Both the foaming wash and wipes are plant-derived, backed by science, dermatologist-approved, gynecologist approved and hypoallergenic get 25% off your first order from the honeypot.co slash summer that's t-h-e-h-o-n-e-y-p-o-t dot c-o slash summer to get 25% off your first order and join the hive today so I'm talking about mistakes that I wish I would have avoided when I was active in my love addiction while I was single and dating and the first one that I want to say off the bat is I wish that I would not have overcommitted to persons or partnerships or relationships that I had made up in my mind were it in spite of red flags. And so there were multiple relationships that I had or that I wanted to have that were giving me clear signs that they were not the right fit for me. But I had already created a story about why this relationship was it. So, um, and this could be with people who I had already had a relationship with. So maybe a friendship or we had had a history in the past or also just new potential people that I was dating. So, um, especially if I had, I saw their online profile, especially if we had had a lot of witty banter and connection, I made up in my mind from the first meeting or the first couple of interactions that this was it. And because I had already made that commitment in my heart, because I had already made that commitment in my mind, because I created this whole story about how we would work out in the end, I was committed to making that happen to completion. I was committed to seeing it out and giving this person chance after chance, um, allowing mistake after mistake to happen, rationalizing distance, rationalizing flakiness, rationalizing moments that I felt uncomfortable because I had already known, quote unquote, known, you can't see my air quotes, but I'd already known that this person was the one um, because I had written our story. And I wish that I would have learned to be more present in the moment in my relationships. I would have people that would tell me, you just need to have fun and, you know, just be in the moment and get to know people. But I did not know how to do that. I had an on and off switch. So either I was fully in and fully committed and this person was going to be my future husband or what I, the only understanding I had of having fun was pretending to be aloof and pretending to not really care when really... I still very much wanted there to be an outcome. I didn't know how to be secure and present within myself, even though I thought that I was. There was still a part of me that really needed, I needed the assurance that even though I was single now, that one day I would be partnered, right? And because if I was partnered, then that would mean that I was okay. 
That would mean that I wasn't broken. That would mean that I could rest easy at night because I knew that one day it would finally, it would all work out and I would be with someone. And here's what I try to tell my students and people that I work with. The goal is not for you to not ever want to be partnered. I think that is a way that we gaslight ourselves. And I think that is a way that we put ourselves under really unfair standards to be these these eunuchs who never desire relationship when it is human to want to be partnered with someone. The difficulty or, or the, the way that this leads into love addiction is the belief that if I am never partnered, that it is evidence that I was never good enough, right? There, there's this, this need to be chosen to validate when your existence is valid, no matter who is attached. So I can know and fully rest in the fact that I am worthy. I can fully rest in the fact that I am amazing and that I would be an excellent partner because I'm already an excellent friend, because I'm already an excellent person, because I came into this world with inherent value And the partnership is just one more aspect of my life. It is a detail. It is not the mountain peak. And I would hear these things, but because I had unresolved trauma, because I did not have a good locus of self-worth within myself, I, I didn't know how to actually make that ring true. I would say affirmations about my words. I would do things that were the outward actions that supposedly prove that you love yourself and prove that you are secure in your singlehood. But because I had these wounds on the inside, it was all just fake, (laughs) which is why when I would get into these relationships and commit to these people, even when they were not treating me in the way that someone with inherent worth deserved to be treated when they weren't pursuing me in the way that I was pursuing them. And sometimes, y'all, just to be clear, pursuing does not mean that you are, you know, chasing after this person and answering all their calls or doing whatever that looks like. Pursuing could just mean that they have an unlimited box of opportunities to, to just mess with you. <laughs> I wanted to say fuck with you, but I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to only use my curse words for whenever it um I really need that emphasis and value. But yeah, just giving people multiple opportunities to just let you down. And y'all, your time is valuable. Your heart is valuable. Your worth is valuable. So yeah, that is a mistake that I wish that I would have understood to not commit to people who had not earned the ability to to be trusted with my heart, right? I was I was easy to love or I was easy to give love, which leads into the second one. So there's going to be a lot of overlap with these mistakes because they're all connected, but Another mistake that I would that I made is I rationalized the fact that I would rationalize um, red flags. So what that means is I would justify and explain away all of these things that were happening that didn't make me feel good, and I would try to take ownership of it, and I would try to take responsibility of these things that were happening. And one of the things that I would say, and it's kind of like a badge of honor, and I've actually heard it very recently with someone who was um, talking about their story and talking about learning how they are an empath and how they just see the best of people and you know it's just something that happens and here's the thing 
it is totally good for you to see the best in people. We need you to balance out um, those of us who might be a little bit more cynical and those of us who might be more um, skeptical. You know, there's that's the yin and the yang. We need people who are open-hearted. But I would say this thing about, you know, I just, you know, I just believe in love and I believe in expecting the best of people as an excuse of why I didn't have to do my own healing work to realize why I was so willing to let people run all over me. So because it's just inside of me that I expect the best of people, it's something that I could not change. It's something that's just inherently a part of me. So when bad things happen, I don't have to do this self-healing work to figure out why I was letting this happen. I could just rest in the fantasy that one day I would meet somebody that would make it all better. One day I would just meet someone who would just magically know how to cherish me and treat me and treasure me and and it'll all be worth it in the end, right? That that fairy tale thing that we have. But what that belief does is it puts us at risk of years and years of mistreatment because we're hoping like Bambi or like Cinderella that one day someone's going to see our true inherent value. They're going to see that princess energy. They're going to see that that lover angel energy inside of us and be so attracted and so drawn to it that they're going to sweep us off of our feet and just show up for us, right? And this this is across the board. If you operate from a place of love addiction, this is for my ladies who are very overt in your please love me and rescue me and um, and treat me and you're very outwardly dainty. And this is also happens with my high-powered CEOs and C-suite ladies. Like that, whether or not you show it or um, out, outwardly or not, it's shown in the relationships that you take. Is shown in, in the power that you give to partners to, to be your everything, to be your knight in shining armor or your, your nitrous in shining armor, <laughs> you know, or your person in shining armor for my non-binary folks. You know, it is, it is a constant releasing of your personal ownership and hoping that someone will magically know how to heal you and how to love you when you don't even know how to do that for yourself. When you don't really have those requirements for yourself. When you don't even have your own base standards. And part of that is because you may have grown up in a household or grown up in a setting where those weren't things that were cultivated for you. That those were things that were um, actually, you know, kind of brainwashed out of you or trained out of you because you had to take care of other people, because you had to be so attentive to what the other people around you wanted you to act like and think like and feel like for the family to keep going, for them to be happy and to pr- be proud of you, for them to not abuse you or neglect you, right? You didn't have the space to figure out what what you wanted. You didn't have the privilege to figure out what it is that you needed. And you kind of also learned that it was easier to be with partners or be your friend groups or be in situations where there was someone who made those decisions for you. And so it makes sense that it shows up like this in your romantic partnerships too. But going back to my original point about it just being this inherent, like I just love people and I expect the best. 
As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it, clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in, and also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. To people and I'm powerless to change that. There is a balance between being someone who is optimistic and being someone who sees things in reality. So I can see you and say, you know what? I know that you can, you can show up as this best version of yourself. I see the potential in you. And I also see that this is actually what you're capable of. And this is what you actually can give me. And also, thirdly, I know my worth and I know my value. I know that even if this is your best and maybe one day you can give this to me, I actually don't have to take this because it would be detrimental to me. I do not have to self-abandon me to show up for you. And if, I, if it requires me to abandon me and take what you're giving me um, in order for you to figure out if maybe one day you may want to turn and love me, we may not be the best fit. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. 
Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Right? Again, I can still, I can still see you and I can still love you and I can still support you, but I am not required to be in partnership with you. To be in partnership with me is a gift. It is a privilege. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I'm conceited. That doesn't mean that I'm based in ego. It means that I know that when I show up and I love, I love hard, right? Which is another thing that my love addicts will say. You'll own very proudly that you love hard, which the code for that when you're operating in love addiction is that I will love you and take whatever you give me, no matter how much you hurt me. And again, with that hope that one day you'll get this magical badge of honor that looks like them realizing their mistakes, them realizing what they've lost, them realizing that you're amazing and they will take, they will change and turn around and show up for you in the way that you want. But here's the thing, y'all, when we operate that way, we are taking ownership for their mistakes. We are saying that the reason why they are acting the way that they are acting is because I'm not doing enough, is because I'm not pretty enough, my ass isn't big enough, is because my sex isn't good enough, is because I'm not smart enough, is because I need to work on my attitude, whatever it is, when that person has their own issues that they have to work through. They have their own healing work. They have their own shadow work that has nothing to do with you. And so again, is us moving out of this place of savior, us moving out of this place of fantasy into, into a place of balance, um, into a place that honors what we have to, to give to people um, and honors that we deserve to be. If I feel like I'm a princess, I deserve to be treated like a princess from the onset. If these are things that you relate to, by the way, um, we have our mini course, which is called You Are Worthy, um, that you can do on your own time. It's self-paced. You have access to it forever. But I talk more about the roots of feeling unworthy, where that comes from in our trauma. You get journal prompts and exercises for you to work through, to figure out what is it that I actually want? What is it that I actually want to feel like in relationships? How have I felt like before? And what is it that I'm moving towards? And um, we talk a lot about self-compassion as well. So you can go ahead and get that by going to blackgirlsheal.org slash worthy and go ahead and get started. And you know what? Since I'm mentioning it, I'm going to give y'all a coupon code. Um, if you're listening to this in May, May, 2021, 
If you put in the coupon code MAY2021, you can take $50 off and go ahead and get started. So um, again, that's blackgirlsheal.org slash worthy and take our You Are Worthy course. And so related to that, the last mistake that I wish that I would not have made when I was active in my love addiction that I didn't have words for, um, or at least I, I knew what was happening in the moment, but I didn't want to say it out loud. And I also kind of felt like I deserved it. I felt like it was true is a better way to say that is I would limit the partners that I made myself available to or that I um, allowed to pursue me because I felt like I was not on their level. And it was hard for me to admit that. And it's even a little bit of embarrassment now. Uh, Well, no, I don't have any embarrassment of that. I don't know why I said that. Um, (laughs) I had embarrassment back then. because, And the reason reason why I don't have embarrassment, y'all, and this is a place that you get to in your healing, is I have so much self-kindness and empathy and love and acceptance for the Sheena of my past. I understand and I fully accept where she was and I understand that she was doing the best that she knew how with the information and access to personal resources, emotional resources, to self-understanding at that time. Um, It's not like I made these decisions when I have full access of myself and I just, you know, took a car and I decided to drive off the side of the road. I did the best I knew how in the moment. And so when I look back at the me of the past, the me of, you know, 10 years ago, whatever, however however long ago, I look at her with so much self-compassion and so much love and so much tenderness. And if she was in front of me, I would say, you know, a good job. I would hold her hand. I would give her love. I would say, you know, you are so worthy and I'm so proud of you because you are doing everything you know how to do. I would never in a million years look at her with criticism and say, what is wrong with you? Girl, you, you slipping. You, you are making so many mistakes right now. You are missing out because that's only going to add on to the shame and low self-worth that she's already experiencing, right? So many of us are so geared towards self-motivation, looking like kicking ourselves. And that kicking ourselves may get us so far but really it's keeping you stuck because if you are making mistakes based out of shame and you just pile on more shame, how is that supposed to break you out of that cycle, right? We, we sometimes believe when we don't have access to self-kindness, when we, um, not, that has not been modeled to us by caregivers and people around us or when people are only nice to us, when there's like a catch-22 happening. Treating ourselves with kindness seems like a trick. It seems like coddling versus healthy self-love and healthy interaction. But anyways, going back to my original point, hopefully these tangents are helpful for y'all, um, these, these, side, these side teaching moments. But going back to my original point, the me from the past would make these decisions because she felt like she was not worthy of these partners. And she felt shame talking about this, or I felt shame talking about this or admitting that to myself because on paper, it made no sense why I would feel this way. I was well-liked. I was funny. I was cute. I had a great job. I loved the Lord. Like, 
it makes no sense why I could walk into a room and immediately cancel out certain people because I felt like they were better than me. When I know, especially according to friends and family and my therapist, that I should totally not be intimidated. So I could never admit that to myself, that I was intimidated by people. Um, And the way that it would look like is I would make all these justifications of why they wouldn't want to date me. So like, I bet he only likes white girls or I can't keep conversation up as well as he does. He's super witty and I'm not really that good at banter. Or, you know, he's really athletic and I barely do any exercise. So there's no way that I could talk to him or he only likes women with this shape size or this person only likes girls who are light skinned or this person only likes girls who are who have long hair, or this person only likes girls whose natural hair looks like this. There was always some justification, but the common denominator was that I did not feel enough. And when you operate from this place of not feeling enough, what you do is you take partners who are almost what you want them to be. And you stay in relationships with people who almost treat you how you want to be treated. It's close enough so you'll take it and you can work with it right? Instead of knowing that the desires of your heart are there for a reason and standards are there for a reason. And it's okay to ask for what you want. And it's okay for me to, and people are just people. There's no one who is better than you. And there's also, y'all, there's no one who's less than you either as well. For those of us who operate as a, from a place of ego, as a, from a place as self-protection that we go into kind of looking down on people. But either way, it's all neutral. So the person that you want to be connected to, you deserve to talk to them. And they deserve to get to know a wonderful person like you. But I didn't know that back then. I didn't believe that, right? I, I might have heard that and I might have even said that to other people and I might have even given it as advice to my clients when I was Um, operating as a therapist, but I didn't receive that for myself. It was true for other people, but it wasn't true for me. And so that goes back to, we really have to do our own self-healing work or we will limit what we receive and what we give in relationships. And since I just mentioned the word receive, I said in an earlier version of this episode when I was recording how For some people, it is their story that they end up in relationships. They have a whole history of broken relationships and they end up in relationships with someone who is amazing and who does treat them in the way that they deserve. And they don't understand how they got to be so lucky. I've worked with those women as well. And this might be you or it might've been you in the past. What happens with those women, and I'm totally getting into a future episode, so I'll I'll probably talk about this point again. But what happens with those women, when you get into relationships with these wonderful partners, because you, you still haven't done that healing work of not feeling enough, it might help you to be in a partnership and learn that this is the new normal, but it's also still hard for you to receive that goodness. It's hard for you to receive that this is not going to, they're not going to magically change their minds one day without creating a fight out of nowhere um, and sabotaging the moment without you avoiding being in their presence for too long because you may not have words for it, but to be in that much tenderness and that much openness and that much love that's just freely given without you having to earn it, it is so disruptive (laughs) 
to what you're used to. And we will, we will, we will mess it up if we do not do that healing work that knows that, no, this, this is how it should have always been. And it's okay to rest in that. It's okay to find peace in this. And so for anyone who is feeling that right now or has ever felt that way before, that you've gotten to relationships with people who are just so great for you and you just feel that maybe they would be better with somebody else, just know that this is something that's totally healable. This is something that's totally rewritable. These are all just stories and narratives that were given to us by parents and caregivers in our settings. We came into this world as little babies, just wanting to be loved and receiving love. And and our circumstances is what taught us otherwise. And if that was taught to us, we can also unlearn it and we can learn to normalize being in healthy, committed partnerships and relationships and being treated with kindness and love and respect from people who give it freely and give it without abuse, neglect, and all the other things that come along with that when we are with unavailable partners. So hopefully this share helps for those of us who needed it. Again, I will um, follow up with how love avoidance shows up in relationships and dating relations or my mistakes that I've made when I was operating as an avoidant in dating relationships. And also I'll be having other episodes talking about how this has looked like for me in um, committed partnerships and or marriage. And If you're interested in our self-study You Are Worthy program, you can go ahead and go to blackgirlsheal.org slash worthy. Use that temporary coupon code of May 2021, May 2021, um, through the end of this month. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you in the next one. Take care.